This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Let's find out where this one's all going. Obviously, the notoriety surrounding this uh, makes one wonder if he could even get a fair hearing. Not that we'd be simpatico to any of such niceties. But Joseph Newberger is with us, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Joseph, welcome to the show and a happy new year to you and yours. Thank you. Happy new year to you and John. So what do we got here? Uh, Weinstein is uh, facing a series of charges, pleaded uh, not guilty to uh, charges of assaulting two women in New York, which is, I guess, why it's being tried in New York, even though some of the cases also extend to Los Angeles, correct? That's correct. And and at the start of this trial, there are new charges laid in Los Angeles as well. So he has to still face arraignment on those. Wow. Uh, so by no stretch is he anywhere near out of the woods. This has all begun. But predatory sexual assault, I mean, the rape trial is what it's being called euphemistically. Is that term even legally on the books still? Well, not in Canada. You know, they might have it in the United States, but I think all the terminology is sexual assault now, and, and that's what it should be. Um, but they do have different terminology in the United States while saying predatory sexual assault and, and other levels, whereas we just have a, a broad label as, as sexual assault. And so the labeling shouldn't matter as much, but the the breadth of the allegations here is really what is is quite stunning in this case. What's interesting as well, you cited uh, eight women in Los Angeles County uh, also filed these uh, charges against, or at least were, uh, you know, the the reason for charges being filed against them anew. Uh, some have also had the statute of limitations run out. What is a statute of limitations, and uh, is that even something that ought to be allowable in such egregious cases? Yeah, it's an excellent question, John. So in the United States, that's another uh, difference that they have. Uh, there is a statute of limitations per state, and it says that, you know, depending upon the particular offense, there's a period of time for which afterward, if charges have not been brought forward, a charge can no longer come forward. And there may be some common sense to that. So if there is a statutory period of 15 years, anything beyond that, you couldn't lay a charge Look, you know, it, there's a lot of people who will debate it. If you go back 28 years or 29 years or 30 years for historical sexual assault, you can see how the impact of time has on memory and recall and the evidence itself. That being said, in many cases, particularly uh, sexual violence against people in vulnerable situations, there may be very various real reasons why over the course of uh, years, even decades, they don't come forward. And so you still want to be able to give those people a voice and some sort of resolution in the criminal context. Uh, so that's why in Canada, we do not have any statute of limitations at all. Again, with Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio legal expert on the matter of Weinstein in court on the uh, charge of predatory sexual assault. That's the biggie. He's pleaded not guilty to charges of assaulting two women in New York, by the way. And uh, while he was making his way into court, uh, two of the principals who have really kick-started this whole thing, Roseanne Arquette and Rose McGowan, uh, they were across the street holding their own press conference and uh, even making mock of the fact, you know, his appearance, he was using a walker to enter court and he looked all feeble in that. She says, uh, McGowan, I think he's taken some good acting tips. Do you think he would have been coached by his counsel? I mean, the Walker thing is, uh, does that gain anybody's sympathy here? I don't think so. I mean, if you look at him from, you know, it's funny, these two things I noticed right away from the media reports, but it looks like he's lost a tremendous amount of weight. So one can imagine, regardless of what you think of Mr. Weinstein, you know, he is under a tremendous amount of stress. And so I can only imagine that his health would have got worse. And if he needs a walker, he needs a walker. But I don't think it's going to have any impact whatsoever on a judge or a jury at all. Uh, we saw how feeble um, 
you know, Mr. Cosby looked in his case, it really didn't make a difference either. Um, what I think was very interesting about what you said and what will filter into whether uh, Mr. Weinstein can get an impartial jury is that it is really interesting that when we look at the United States and the way they conduct themselves in their justice system, as Weinstein is entering the courthouse to deal with the preliminaries in his trial, there's literally a press conference going across the street where there is comments about the case and about Weinstein as an abuser himself. And so the juxtaposition of the two would cause great concerns from somebody from an objective standpoint about how you really have a fair trial in such a media circus. Well, all right. And that is the interesting question. I mean, because his own, uh, I guess, legal team uh, were worried about publicity surrounding the trial would influence the jury. I mean, is that a legitimate concern? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I can't imagine too many other cases in in U.S. history where you have such incredible uh, public scrutiny. And, um, you know, his case was really one of the first uh, big sort of Me Too breakthroughs uh, for that movement. Um, And, you know, frankly, it did deal with the... uh, the silence that had uh, hung over the Hollywood sets in, in over years for what has gone on. So this is really one of those penultimate cases for the United States. And it has been in the media nonstop. And many people have spoken out about it, including those two uh, women. And they're holding a press conference right at the same time. So this is incredible publicity, which I think you have to have concern, whether you're a prosecutor or a defense lawyer, about getting a fair trial. But, Joe, uh, the prosecution, as I understand it, uh, requested a gag order that would have prevented Weinstein's legal defense team from speaking to the media. What's their thinking? Well, uh, and the judge denied that. So I think they wanted a gag order to prevent, um, uh, you know, the defense team from talking about the evidence as it goes along and making comments, which, again, is something we don't do in Canada. Um, But that would be unfair because if prosecutors or witnesses or other movement members are allowed to make public uh, comments, there should not be a gag order on his lawyers because they're trying this case not only in the courtroom, but they're trying it also in the media, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. So I I think there's other issues here where the judge has denied that the jurors would be sequestered for the eight weeks estimated for the trial. And that means that the jurors would have to, you know, be taken to a hotel, stay at the hotel, no access to uh, media like TV, radio, social media, and then driven back, which basically would be putting them almost under house arrest. But one can imagine that's a way that you try and insulate them from what's going on in the media. But to me, this just underlies just how seriously difficult I think it's going to be to keep an impartial jury to get one and then keep one impartial throughout the trial. And yet the defense uh, attorneys, they say they can find a jury. I mean, why would they be so confident? No idea. I mean, maybe, (laughs) you know, I read the same comment you did, and she says uh, she thinks she can find an impartial jury. Now, they do have, in the United States, a far broader, you know, this might get me going on a little bit, but they have a broad ability to ask questions of potential jurors to try and root out bias. Whereas in Canada, we have nothing. And we have less than nothing now, thanks to our liberal government, who took away peremptory challenges. So the United States has a fairly robust system for asking questions of potential jurors and finding out more information about potential jurors to try and get an unbiased jury. So maybe, maybe she knows something, look, I don't practice in the United States and maybe she feels that given the jury pool, they will be able to find 
a jury that will give a fair trial to uh, Mr. Weinstein, but I still think it's going to be a tremendous difficulty. You know, and finally, on this whole point, uh, I mean, because the jury selection starts tomorrow, and these were just procedural matters, as you said, prelims earlier today, uh, but he's denied these allegations, and he says all these sexual encounters, like 80 women have come forward. He's saying they were all consensual. I don't know, uh, is the preponderance of just the number of uh, people making claims against him uh, going to weigh in the balance here, or is it a he said, she said kind of scenario? How does one prove this kind of predatory sexual assault? You know, that's an actual, you know, that's what, that's why this case is so difficult, in my opinion, to get a fair trial, because just the, the sheer number of allegations you would imagine uh, is overwhelmingly strong evidence of the fact that this gentleman is guilty if not of all, but of some very significant offenses with a number of victims. Um, and in a, in a trial of, in this particular trial uh, in New York, um, it may be more focused on the allegations of a couple of women, um, but you will have in the background what we call similar act type of evidence. Um, and we'll have to see what the pretrial motions are about what's allowed into evidence and what isn't about other similar allegations, because that's a method of establishing the case as well. Um, but I, I have no doubt that through the testimony of the complainants in this case, the prosecution will have a, a fairly robust uh, prosecution and, and will probably succeed. Got to ask you finally, Joseph, a story out of Hamilton, uh, two paramedics uh, being charged in the 2017 death of a, a good Samaritan young man, 19 years of age, Yusuf al-Hasnawi. Uh, he was shot when he stepped out of a mosque, and uh, they thought it was just a BB gun, so they were kind of laughing about the whole thing. Now they've been charged with uh, failing to provide the necessities of life, and uh, they've I guess chosen to be tried by judge alone in Ontario Superior Court, but that's been put off till April 6th. Is that what, due to a lack of judges in the system or is something else going on here that we need to know about? As I understand it, there is uh, additional disclosure that was provided to the defense lawyers, including um, notes and audio interviews of witnesses, which um, I think they received prior to the Christmas holiday. So they may have to be uh, reviewed in detail prior to the commencement of the trial. And, and in Hamilton, they, they, they should be fine to have a trial go ahead uh, in this case. So I don't think it's an issue of judicial resources as much as it is additional disclosure provided prior to the winter break time where the lawyers need some time to assimilate it. But this is an extremely sad case. This was a good Samaritan who was gunned down, you know, brutally. And then, you know, at the very least, you would imagine paramedics who come out, even if they think the person was overreacting, to, to check the individual uh, when they're on the ground and and do some sort of a uh, a medical check to ensure that they are indeed okay. And if if what we're reading is somewhat accurate, that in fact that there was laughing and telling the uh, deceased that he was overreacting, this is an extremely uh, difficult case, I think, for the defense. It's going to be an interesting one. He, in fact, had been shot by a twenty-two caliber Derringer, whereas they thought it was just a BB gun and uh, that he had been overreacting after he had accosted two people who were... Uh, confronting another individual. He was the Good Samaritan, and now they've been charged with, as I said, failing to provide the necessaries of life. They've got a duty of care in their position as paramedics. Great insights as always, Joseph. I appreciate your joining us. Look forward to more of the same uh, before too long. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure, and have a great show as usual. Take Thank care. You. you got it. Joe Newberger, Global News Radio legal expert with Newberger and Partners.
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 